uh, so great to have you here this morning. Well, I want you to turn to a book you probably haven't read in a while, a book of the Bible, uh, and that's the book of Habakkuk, okay? And you're thinking, Habakkuk, is that even in the Bible, right? You're putting this on. No, it's, uh, it's one of the minor prophets, so if you look in the latter part of the Old Testament, uh, you'll find it uh, there. And I want to look at Habakkuk chapter 3. And I want to read two verses of Scripture, verses 17 and 18. Habakkuk chapter 3. And uh, it's kind of a, I'll just, uh, maybe a little spoiler alert here, but it's kind of a dreary picture uh, that that Habakkuk is painting here. And uh, so we'll, we'll read it out loud, all right? Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines... Though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. A little loud on the microphone. If you could just roll me back a little bit. Great. Appreciate that. Now, I don't know about you, but... um, I don't like it when things go wrong. I have little patience. You know, my wife would probably tell you I don't have patience for much. But uh, one of the things I don't have patience for, I admit that, is, you know, when things that are supposed to work and go wrong. So you can tell already my relationship with with computers, right? And, uh, you know, I I just have a love-hate, mostly hate relationship with computers. And because uh, it just, you know, when things should work and they don't and, you know, they go wrong, I, I just don't have a lot of uh, give in me for that. You know, I'm, I'm not, uh, although I'm a, a firm believer in Murphy's Law, how many understand what Murphy's Law is? Yeah, I'm a firm believer in Murphy's Law, uh, but I have no patience for Murphy's Law, okay? Uh, you know, what can and will go wrong will go wrong at the worst possible moment, Right? I just have no patience for those kinds of things. So um, I, I tend to be a subscriber to that philosophy. But, you know, honestly, you can kind of put yourself on the spectrum here wherever you feel like is appropriate for you. You know, whether you might be an optimist or whether you might kind of feel pessimistic about most things. Now, I don't know where you place yourself on, on that spectrum. I kind of I kind of feel like I'm in the middle. I feel like, you know, in the middle there might be optimism here, there might be pessimism here, but I feel like realism rides the middle line, right? And uh, I kind of feel like that. You know, people ask, well, you know, you look at a glass of uh, water that's, you know, got half its uh, uh, capacity is, you know, filled with water. You know, is it half full or is it half empty? I say it's a glass that's it's got half of its contents in it, okay? It, and it kind of depends. Is, is it half full? Or were you just filling it and you stopped halfway, then it's half full. If you just drank half of it, then it's half empty, right? And uh, so anyways, you know, I, I tinker with all of those thought processes and all that. But, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's just half a glass of water. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not saying you should be like me. I'm just saying that's the way I am, all right? That's kind of try to see it in a realistic sort of way. I hope that I, hope that, um, I can see the bright side of things, you know, uh, but uh, often I, I just kind of see it the way it is. And, and uh, in fact, you know, if, 
you are in a problematic situation. You know, if you're in a, in a situation that, uh, you know, there's trouble or life-threatening situation, you probably want to be with somebody who's optimistic, okay? You probably want to be with somebody who's, you know, creatively thinking about the situation. And I think there's a lot, you know, of good things to be uh, optimistic about. Um, but, uh, you know, being a pessimist or realist or, or uh, you know, optimist, it, you know, it's really neither here nor there. What we do need to operate in, you know, rather than just always putting a happy spin on things or a negative spin on things or whatever, what we need to operate is in the, in the realm of faith. And that looks a lot like optimism at times. But, uh, you know, we are people of faith, and we are people who believe in the faithfulness of God in spite of what current evidence may have to say. Now, you know, we're kind of all, we live in the moment, and whatever's happening in the moment kind of affects our emotions and, and the way that we're, you know, our outlook on the world. But... Um, we are a people who believe in the faithfulness of God. And even if the current evidence says, you know, things are bad, things are wrong, things are broken, you know, things aren't going in a good direction, we say, but you know what? God remains faithful. Kind of being a realist and about all those things is, yeah, those things are broken or that thing's troublesome or whatever. I, that's, that's just maybe the way it is. But you know what I believe in more than that? I believe in the faithfulness of God. And, and the picture that, that uh, Habakkuk here is painting that we, that we just read. Now, uh, Habakkuk was a minor prophet to the nation of Israel. What he's describing here is God's judgment on the nation of Israel for forsaking their relationship with God. And, you know, we think, you know, it's, it's a very cyclical sort of thing that happens, you know, and, and uh, it frankly mirrors our life oftentimes. It's, you know, with uh, the nation of Israel, they, they start out, they have this great relationship with God. It, it, uh, God pours out his blessing and, uh, you know, blesses their lives and there's prosperity and health and and, uh, you know, protection from their enemies. And then they, they begin to take those blessings for granted. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden God is not important, uh, as important as he once was. And, uh, you know, and, and you know what, there are some things out here that are kind of fun to, to flirt with and temptation and all of those things. And pretty soon, you know, they're, they're, they turn their back on God and the, the blessings from God seem to be lifted and withdrawn. And all of a sudden there's trouble and prosperity uh, is, is gone and, and uh, trouble with the enemies. And so it's this progression downhill. And, and, uh, and then, you know, they repent and they turn their hearts back to the Lord and they begin that long journey back to his blessing. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And often like our lives sometimes, you know, we, you know, we enjoy God's blessing, but sometimes we begin to take those for granted, and all of a sudden God is not as important as he once was, and we get, you know, drawn off to other things. Well, Habakkuk is here describing Israel at the low point, okay? He's not just being pessimistic. He's saying there, there are problems here. Now, in a culture, now, we can't probably appreciate this as much as, uh, as you know, the, the setting and, and cultural uh, sort of consideration here, but Israel 
was an agrarian society, as most societies were in those days. You know, it's like America. America was largely an agrarian society. You know, we had cows, and you know, we raised crops and gardens and all of those things. And now, now all those things come from grocery stores, right? And uh, we don't need to grow stuff anymore because it just comes from the grocery store. Um, but uh, you know, so in Israel, this agrarian society, what? What Habakkuk is describing here is, is utter economic meltdown, okay? It's catastrophe. You listen to this uh, list of things. There, there are no figs on the trees. Now, figs in Israel are a, were, were a staple of, of life. And uh, the fig crop, the fig trees, you know, produce figs, was a vital interest in Israel. And so you want a healthy Fig, because figs were long-term storage in, in, uh, in a time and place where there was no refrigeration and, uh, you know, those kinds of things. You needed some shelf-stable food that didn't just immediately, you know, wilt or rot once you plucked it from the vine. And, and figs were one of those things, and it helped carry them through bleak times, through winter and, and time where, where crops were less abundant. Um, so when he says there's no figs on the fig tree, that's a problem, okay? It means that winter is going to be bleak. There are less shelf-stable foods for us to uh, set aside. And then he goes on to say there are no grapes on the vine. That's a, that's a big problem as well. Again, you know, you dry the grapes, you have raisins, and, and again, a shelf-stable storage of food. Uh, but also producing wine that, uh, you know, that they would consume. And uh, there are no grapes on the vine. And then olives, olives fail to produce. Do you, do you, are you developing this picture of devastation here in, in uh, Israel and in, in this agrarian society? The fields are empty of grain. And flocks and livestock fail to reproduce. Trouble on every front. And he's pretty much described a total economic meltdown for Israelite society. All of the, all of the leading economic uh, indicators are tanking, okay? And, and so he, he lists all of these things, and it's a very depressing picture. And, uh, you know, in, in our own sort of context here, if we were to paraphrase this verse of Scripture, it might, uh, into something a, a little more contemporary, it, it might sound something like this. Though the cupboards are bare... And there's nothing in the pantry. And though there's no gas available at the gas station. And the grocery stores are empty of food. Though my car is broken down and I have lost my job, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, if we paint that picture in our own context, in our own culture here, that means something a little bit different to us, doesn't it? And, uh, you, know, you know, if we look out and we see all of these things, you know, failing and gone or broken and, uh, you know, we got little tastes of, of some of this kind of stuff during the uh, pandemic. Did we not? You maybe went to the grocery store and, and uh, as I did, you know, you see a whole shelf empty all the way down the aisle and, and they say, well, there's supply chain issues, right? You know, we aren't shipping, things aren't moving or, you know, they're stuck in the, in the Los Angeles Harbor, or, you know, those kinds of things. And, and so we had a little taste of this kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we, we can understand a little bit more of what Habakkuk was talking about. And yet his conclusion that all these things, 
All these things that are broken, all these things that are missing, all these things that aren't working. His conclusion is, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, somebody like me, um, I, really, I really have to think about, could I say that? <laughs> you know, could I, you know, being the realist or whatever, you know, that I think that I am, uh, could I really, really come to that conclusion, you know? But, but uh, here it is. He comes to this conclusion that isn't the natural expectation, that he will rejoice and have joy in God. Now, how do we have hope in a hopeless time like that? Where does, where does hope come from? Where, where, do we, where do we live on hope? Do you, do you realize every single day we live on hope? You know, there, we have food, and food's important, water and shelter and all those things. But you know, emotionally, where, what we survive on is hope. We don't think of it that way often, but we do. We survive on hope that today's going to be okay, or if today wasn't my best day, that tomorrow will be a better day. And we have hope that we can move forward in the future. It's, it's when people lose hope that, you know, we, we spiral into a kind of a depressive darkness. And, uh, you, know, and uh, you know, the outcomes of those things are, are bleak and black. But we can have hope in hopeless times. And how do we how do we act contrary to the evidence? You know, the evidence is saying bad, 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 bad. You know, we can look at all of that and we can get kind of depressed about that. But how, how do we look at the evidence and avoid joining the masses in fear and pessimism about what's going on? Well, we, we do so by our faith in God. And, uh, you know, we, we're not putting faith in, in optimism or faith in, you know, a government bailout. It is that God is our source. Ultimately, God is our source and God who is the answer to our need. That's what our hope is based on. That's what our hope is, is built on. And so we, we look beyond just the current evidence. Now, I think, you know, the current evidence is important to look at, you know, if it you know, if they're, you know, they tell us, hey, you know, this is going to be in shortage or whatever, we want to uh, take note of that. We want to, you know, act responsibly towards, you know, meeting the needs of our family and our lives and, you know, what it is that we have and help others with that as well. But how do, how do we create this hope? How do we live on hope, which really propels us from day to day to day? When you lose hope, you lose life. And, uh, and so we, we're buoyed by hope, and, uh, and our hope is in the Lord. So um, looking at, at um, Habakkuk's conclusion to all of this bleak news, his conclusion is, yes, in spite of all of this, I will rejoice in the Lord and have joy in the God of my salvation. Going back to uh, Nehemiah, get another Old Testament reference here. Nehemiah had a bleak situation, and uh, that was that the walls of Jerusalem were destroyed, and uh, there was rubble everywhere, and, and they were the laughing stock of their enemies. And Nehemiah heard about this while, you know, exiled in Babylon, and, and you know, the stories and, and uh, the, you know, firsthand accounts would come back to him, and they would describe Jerusalem as, as a ruin, and, uh, and it that weighed on Nehemiah's heart, and, and through the favor of God, he was released from the king of Babylon and able to journey back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls with that mission. And, uh, and it, was a, it was a difficult 
task. It wasn't like, you know, there was a lot of heavy equipment. There were just a few uh, remnants of Israelites there to begin to reconstruct the walls of Jerusalem and, and uh, create something that, uh, you know, resembled a city again. And their enemies, you know, would haze them and make life difficult for them. They would ridicule and mock them and and uh, set, you know, little traps for them to uh, hopefully stop what they were doing in rebuilding the walls. He, f- he found himself in a difficult situation rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. He was, he was outnumbered by enemies. He was short of resources. He didn't have enough help, and all the materials he had were, were rubble. And uh, yet he gathered the people together to worship the Lord. This is a key thing that, that Nehemiah did. He says, you know what we're going to do is in our bleak situation, we're going to stop and we're going to worship and acknowledge the God that we serve. And uh, he gathers them together. They read the words of the law. They wept before the Lord. And here's Nehemiah's response as he sends the people back to uh, work on the the mission of rebuilding Jerusalem. And Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, this is what Nehemiah says to them. He says, go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our God. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, that's an encouraging word coming in the midst of a discouraging time. And I think the key there is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Don't let, you know, present circumstances and and current evidence of difficulty or trouble or, you know, being mocked uh, by others or, you know, in some way feeling on the outside is do not let go of the joy that we have in God. Admit it. It might be difficult, all right? It might be difficult to, uh, you know, examine the situation we find ourselves in and find any joy in that. But But here's the key to hope, is we find joy in the Lord, who is our strength. To have hope in God in hopeless times is the key to surviving, and and not only just surviving, but thriving in spite of all of that. You know, we don't act in doubt about what God said he could do, okay? But we do act in faith about what God said he will do for us. And we lean upon that, and it's like, Lord, I don't know how you're going to pull this off, But you know what? My hope is in you. My trust is in you. You have led me faithfully to this point in my life. You know, I think about that a lot. You know, have you ever uh, faced hopeless times in your life? You ever faced a moment you thought, I do not know how I'm going to make it to tomorrow. I don't know the situation that I'm in I'll ever get out of. I mean, there are times where we are short and lack something vital like, like hope. And everywhere we look, we just feel like, you know, we've been, you know, emptied and and destroyed. And, uh, you know, we personally face those times in our life. They look impossible. Maybe you've lost a a job or faced a problem so big you didn't know what to do. Uh, You know, if we think about that situation right now, let's let's ask the question, did you get through it? The answer is yes. (laughs) If you are here, the answer is yes. Now, you may still be going through something. That's, that's entirely true, but you're here. And, uh, and that's the important thing for us is, is to understand, you know, that, that God gets us through. Now, here's the situation, you know, and we see this with the children of Israel. You know, we think, you know, they're slaves in, in, in bondage in Egypt, and God, you know, just 
destroys uh, the Egyptians, you know, with the nine plagues, you know, hail and, and uh, locusts and frogs and flies and all of these things, you know, that, that uh, overtake the Egyptians. And, and then God parts the Red Sea and they, and they go through on dry ground to the other side of safety. And then the Egyptian army follows them into, you know, the midst of the Red Sea and it closes on top of them forever sealing their safety from the Egyptians. You know, do you think, you know, that we might remember events like that? You know, if, if all of a sudden, you know, the, the Red Sea parts for us and we're walking across on dry ground, you know, do you think you might remember an event like that in your life? You know, and, and you know, God has, has done similar things for us. You know, the problem is, you know, the Israelites, even though they said God's provision, God's safety, God's protection for them, you know, miracles like the Red Sea crossing, you know, they rejoiced and they danced and they sang on the, on the shore of the Red Sea there, and then they turned around and were looking at wilderness and they go, God has forsaken us. <laughs> Are we not like that sometimes? <laughs> what has God done for us? You know, we used to, back when we sang uh, hymns out of books. Do you remember those days? Yeah, do you remember those days? There was a song we used to sing every once in a while, Count Your Blessings. And uh, you know, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, what's the answer? Count your many blessings. And what does it do? It reminds us of God's faithfulness. You know, what should have happened, what would be a much happier account in Scripture as if, you know, the, the Israelites, you know, they sang, they danced, they celebrated God's victory over their captors, and then they turned around to the wilderness and said, you know what, God just brought us through the Red Sea, he's going to get us through the wilderness. We're following him, but they didn't do that. Many times we don't do that. Many times we think, oh no, you know, you know the, the saying was, you know, God brought us out into the wilderness to kill us, you know, that's, that's what all this is about. Well, let me, let me just share, you know, God isn't pulling the wool over our eyes. He's not playing tricks on us. Every difficulty that we face, he is faithful. You know, what did God do in the wilderness? He provided them water. He provided them meat. He provided manna uh, for them. And you know what? God has not lost his ability to be faithful. So whatever it is we're, we're facing, you know, and maybe just, you know, the, you know, the, the news that's just out there in general, uh, you know, it's pretty depressing, and, and some of it just, you know, makes us grind our teeth and, you know, makes us frustrated or angry. You know, there isn't a problem looming that God can't handle for us, and the key is to, is to rejoice in our relationship with God. It's hard. I'm not saying, you know, that comes naturally or easy, but let's remind ourselves what, you know, what Red Sea did God help us cross? What lack of water in the wilderness did we find ourselves in and God provided water in the wilderness for us? You know, when were we hungry and God provided manna for us in some measure? How did we get to where we are today? It's because of the faithfulness of God. And we are to rejoice in that. Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is our strength. I like to think of hope this way. Hope is a, a flame on a candle. And uh, the remarkable thing about that little flame on a candle that I call hope is that only you can put it out. I can't put it out. Your enemies can't put it out. Nobody else, not your family, 
uh, your spouse, nobody can extinguish your flame of hope. Only you. Only we can say, you know what? It's hopeless. And snuff the flame out. We're the only ones who can do that. Doesn't matter how bad things get, you can still hope. You know, the, the environment and the situation may be crushing to you, but you can still have hope. Like, you know what? There might be a miracle. There might be a situation that's going to answer the problem I'm in. That, that, that part is up to us. You know, I can say, you know what? You might as well stop hoping because it is hopeless. You might as well put out that little candle, that little flame on top of the candle, but I can't do it. I can't reach out and snuff it for you. I say, yeah, I agree. This is really, really bad. You're done for. I can't do it, but you can, <laughs> and it's up to us. Are we going to put out that little hope in our lives? Sometimes it just may seem like a little tiny candle, little bitty flame. It may, might look fragile, but there's nobody who can extinguish that except ourselves. And I would just encourage you, have hope, have hope. Rejoice in the God who is your Savior. Amen? So let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Number two, I want to wrap this up quickly here, is keep doing what works. You know, have you ever seen these stories that, that um, maybe people are out on the, on the ocean and maybe there's a hurricane, they're caught in the middle of a hurricane and they're on a little sailboat or something and they abandon ship. And you know what they find later when the hurricane is gone? They find the ship, but they don't find the person. They shouldn't have got off the ship. It was still working. And sometimes we're, we're kind of like that because of fear. We stop doing what has worked for us. What has worked for us? Our relationship with God. His faithfulness has covered us. And sometimes we want to abandon ship, you know. I'm not going to church anymore because I'm in a difficult way. That makes no sense. You know, is the, is the ship still floating? Yes. Don't get off. There will always be tough times, no matter if you're a Christian or not. We're Christians are not immune from difficulty. Maybe we get a little more than our share, perhaps. But just because things might be hard and the current evidence says things are tough, doesn't mean that we abandon what works. Galatians 6, 9 says this, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't jump ship. If it's working, keep working. Don't turn your back on God who has kept you this far. God is faithful. Let your joy and your hope be in the Lord and keep doing what is right. Keep doing what is good. Keep your relationship with Christ. So knowing we will reap if we don't jump ship, Letting the joy of the Lord be our strength will allow us to also say, Philippians 4.13, one of my favorite little verses of Scripture, I can do all things. Now, aren't you glad the period is not there, right? Because I'll tell you what, that's not true. If the period was after all things, I can't do all things. <laughs> I never could do all things. I won't be, ever be able to do all things. But you know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't know where you are today, and you're doing well. Great. Enjoy it, because it won't last, all right? <laughs> Just put out your candle, right? <laughs> no, enjoy good times. Good times are for, for that, for our enjoyment, for you know, God's favor and blessing on our lives. But the same thing is true about bad times. Bad times won't last either. So get through them because they won't last. 
Keep the joy of the Lord your strength and keep doing what works because we're going to win if we don't put out our hope. Hope for hopeless times. I think that's a good thing for today. Amen? Amen. Would you stand? Jesus, if we were to just look at all the economic data, Lord, they tell us things are not looking good. Things might get rough. Things might get difficult. Their shelves might be bare. Lord, the prices might be rising. But in spite of all of the current evidence, Lord, we will joy in our salvation. We will rejoice in our God. And Lord, I pray this, is that we would have the fortitude to not give up, to not quit, not turn back, not to, to just abandon the best thing that we've got going in our lives, and that's our relationship with you. So Lord, I pray you'd help us. Lord, as we move forward, that we remember, Lord, you have been faithful all of our lives. You've been faithful in our past. You are faithful right now. And Lord, that we'd not look at the storms around us and think, Lord, we have to abandon ship. But Lord, we'd stay with you. We'd stay on point. Lord, we'd never put out and extinguish the little flame of hope that burns on the candle within our heart. Lord, that we would just guard that and not let anybody talk to us about putting out that flame. Lord, we thank you. Help us, Lord, to foster grow the hope that comes in knowing Christ as our Savior and Lord and the forgiveness of sin that you offer us. Lord, we thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen.